Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Trash talk in Altuve, and there's only 25% of the crowd there. And that was pun like, intended on the term <laughs> trash talk. Absolutely. <laughs> trash talk. Oh, yeah, there are people, you know, with all that. Sup, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I'm joined by my trusted co-host, the getting clowned on Reddit to Anthony Davis doing an AMA on Reddit. It's Adam Mamawala. Adam, how's it going? <laughs> it's going well. I feel like you need to explain that to me because I don't know what you're referring to. Anthony Davis partnered with his brand that he's associated with Ruffles, you know, the chips, and they did an Ask Me Anything on Reddit, which is when the community of a subreddit will ask a bunch of questions and then people will try to upvote the questions that they most want to see the person hosting this answer. But because Reddit is a place where mostly high schoolers and college age kids live, all of these questions were troll questions and uh, it did not go according to plan. <laughs> What was the worst one? It depends on how you define worst or best, because I think trolling Anthony Davis on this is is very, very good. And I am glad that these people did it because these are usually very boring. It just is like a text version of a postgame press conference where people don't say anything fun. But some of the questions that were more of the uh, lewd variety included, do you and LeBron scissor? Ah. And one of the funniest questions that I thought was, do you think the hardest shot LeBron takes is Pfizer or Moderna? Because as we'll talk in full court press, LeBron's not getting the vaccine. You hate to see that. You hate to see it a whole lot. So before we talk about a fully LeBron-themed full court press, we're going to get prepared to do so, to go against the champ in a little area that we like to call the Teal Memorial Locker Room. Teal, I hope, I don't know for sure, but Teal feels like the kind of person to get the vaccine. You know, we've not asked Teal, but I, I have a feeling that you're right. Yes, I would trust Teal enough to do so. And as a result, Teal's doing great. Yeah. <laughs> you know who else I trust to make good decisions, such as getting a vaccine when you can get a vaccine? I really hope our patrons do so when available to them. Yes, it is our patrons. Want to give a shout out to our producer-level patrons, Polly Bird, Kendra Hadley, Adam Hartwick, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Siobhan Ellsbury, Shooby-Dooby-Doo, Godzilla Got Busy, Steph Curry for three. Bang! He sells seashells, LaRon James, Matt Barger, NBA legend Robert Zachary, No Jazz, No Pizza, Eileen Gazesh, Avatar Kiyoshi, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, 
Daniels, Anna Borgeli, Mitch Chrysler, bang, bang, brown men can jump, Jimmy Butler for two, and long-suffering Timberwolves fan. You know, as I listen to you read our patrons, it occurs to me that perhaps for people who are on the fence about getting the vaccine, maybe there's some sort of like charity promotional thing that Mike Breen could do where as someone gets injected with a needle, he just screams bang. I feel like that could be a good thing. That would be fantastic. I know the Yankees have a vaccination spot at Yankee Stadium where you can get your vaccine and then get a free ticket to the game. I would love if MSG did the same thing and maybe if Mike Breen, before he has to start commentating, he's just chilling there and every time he says you've nailed the shot, bang, when you get your shot. Or we could have Walt Clyde Frazier vaccinating and vacillating. Ooh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Tantalizing with the fizing. (laughs) Oh my God. We, We can only move on to discussing another important segment of the Teal Memorial Locker Room, and that is talking about our sponsors. We have two for this episode, the first of which is HelloFresh. HelloFresh, you know we love it. Always love making some food in an easy, simple way, and HelloFresh does that for you. They've got a wide variety of easy, delicious options for every meal of the day. They also have snacks and special treats that you can add in between or after, and their fresh ingredients are sourced directly from growers and delivered from the farm to your front door in under a week, contact-free, of course. So it's good stuff. And in that most recent box, man, did you make those firecracker meatballs? They were so good. You bet your ass I made those firecracker meatballs. I... I got to tell you, though, I think the pork burgers were actually my favorite. I really enjoyed the pork burgers. I have made multiple burgers with HelloFresh. I've never done a pork one before, and they turned out really well with the caramelized onions and everything. They were very, very tasty. So if you also want to get some very, very tasty food, you can go to HelloFresh.com slash 12horse and use the code 12horse for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Again, that is HelloFresh.com slash 12horse, 12horse, and use the code 12horse for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Do it. Our second sponsor for this episode is Skillshare. If you are trying to develop a new skill, learn a new talent, maybe you've come to the realization, you know, I'm not going to become a professional basketball player, but I want to develop some other talents. You could use Skillshare to develop those talents. They have classes in a wide variety of areas from fine art to marketing to UX design to animation, creative writing, illustration, productivity, which I'm really excited to take a course called Productivity for Creatives, Build a System that Brings Out Your Best. Adam, I'm sure you can relate to this, but sometimes it is hard to work in a creative field and stay productive. When you don't have a boss and deadlines and someone breathing down your neck, it's very easy to be like, I'll do that later. I'll do that tomorrow. And then things pile up. So I think it would be a very helpful course for me, a full-time creative, to figure out how to be more productive. I think it's probably a great course for anybody. But uh, yeah, it is It is difficult when you are your own boss. Mm-hmm. And even if you're not someone that is full-time creative, but you want to make the most of your time while you're working on creative stuff, like if you do it on nights and weekends, stuff like that, this course could also help. But there's a lot of great courses. And as a horse listener, you can try a free trial of a Skillshare premium membership if you go to Skillshare.com slash horse. So if you head to Skillshare.com slash horse, you can explore your creativity, develop a new skill, foster a skill that you've already got, and you'll get a free trial of a premium membership at Skillshare.com slash horse. So with that taken care of, we can now get into full court press. Get it? Like the news. I do. This news, not as much fun because LeBron James did a lot of things that were upsetting. Why does LeBron make himself so hard to love? I just want to appreciate this very good basketball player, and he does frustrating things. He does sometimes, and I'm not a LeBron hater. I'm really not. I'm not either, but it is just frustrating when he does things like decide not to get the vaccine when you have a very public platform. And I don't understand for someone that is so serious about his body and his health why 
avoiding COVID is not one of these things, but in a ridiculous fashion, we learned that LeBron is not getting the vaccine because Dennis Schroeder, his teammate and point guard of the Los Angeles Lakers, did an interview with a German news program, and he said, quote, nearly the whole team is vaccinated, only LeBron and I are not, I think. I can't go into quarantine again. If that happens now, I'll miss a whole round in the playoffs. I can't live with that. Uh, Dennis, there's a there's a way to avoid that. It's called getting the vaccine. Now, it is worth noting here that there is a, a very fraught history in the United States involving vaccinations and people of color. Uh, we're talking about the Tuskegee Airmen. We're talking about a lot of a lot of things where where there is mistrust for a reason. However, the COVID vaccine is something that we know a tremendous amount about. And even when we look at what happened with the J&J vaccine, the fact that they pulled it and stopped using it for a period of time, that should make people feel more comfortable that those safeguards are in place, that even if something that is extraordinarily rare is coming up, it's not like, oh, well, whatever, let's just keep going full speed. We're going to stop and figure out what's going on. And for someone like LeBron, who has an enormous platform and an enormous following, to not get the vaccine, that does have consequences because he is a trendsetter. And that's not just about wearing Nikes. That's also about things that he does and does not do. And we've talked a lot on this show about how huge he has been in terms of getting people out to vote and really just being on the right side of history with just about everything that he does, even looking at the Shut Up and Dribble show. Like that that means something. And it it is disappointing when it's somebody who is so often reliable in in those ways. Because yeah, if LeBron wears beats, people want to wear beats. And it's very possible that if LeBron doesn't want to get vaccinated, there will be people who look at that and say, well, eh, I don't want to get vaccinated. Right. It's a shame when you see someone like LeBron not use that platform for good, especially when you contrast it with, I'm pretty sure Steph Curry early on in COVID did Instagram lives with Fauci mm -hmm. about what it was. So pre-vaccine, just when we're in quarantine, explaining it. So there are players out there that are doing things and using it for good. And if LeBron was unsure information-wise, it would be nice for that to be a public learning experience or at least for him to do that learning so that we could all learn why it is safe and all of that. And it, it's just a shame that the biggest name in the NBA is not getting it because then it just gives another reason for people not to get something that has been very, very much proven to be safe and helpful. And getting us closer to the end of the pandemic. Right, because it's not just about keeping yourself safe. It is about doing your part to just stop the spread. It protects you. It makes it harder for the virus just to spread at all. It's just a very good thing. And we can get back to some normalcy, but only if we all work together. And it was a shame that people didn't wear masks. It's a shame when people don't get vaccines. And I wish that this is not what was happening with LeBron James. I agree. And I, I will say, though, I am happy that at least if that is his stance, for whatever reason it may be, he is not publicly like telling people not to get the vaccine. Yes, that's true. He's not going full conspiracy theory, flat earth stuff. It's more of just a, a disappointing thing that we learned recently. Right. Now, on another frustrating LeBron thing, but more in a come on, man, way, he also was mad about the NBA play-in tournament, which has been amazing. Yes. It has been so fantastic. It's been a revelation for the end of the year. So the final couple months of an NBA season traditionally have been less exciting because the playoffs are kind of locked. Seeding doesn't matter that much if you're the six seed versus the 
four seed. It really didn't matter too much. It was just really home court advantage in what team you played. So you would have a lot of teams that were kind of set into the playoffs, resting guys. On the flip side, you'd have teams tanking. So the last two months of every season would just be so boring. And there would just be so many games where you're like, I'm not going to watch this game because team A isn't trying or team B isn't trying or neither team is trying. But with the play-in tournament, there are fights at every level. To get to the 10 seed is just to get into the playing tournament. To fight for the 7 or 8 seed is to be in the more advantageous positions in the playing tournament. To fight for the 6 seed is to avoid the playing tournament. To fight for the 4 seed is to get home court advantage. No matter where you fall in the standings, teams are fighting for something, and it's made all of these games so much more interesting, even given how ridiculously injury-riddled this season has been. These months leading up to the playoffs, for the first time in a long time, have been actually fun basketball to watch. I completely agree. And and to be clear, as of this moment, unless I've missed something, this is only in effect for this year. It's not necessarily going to continue after this year. Yes. I think it should, personally. I think it's great. hundred And also, like, I am fine with the fact that it incentivizes you to be a top-tier team. And that also the, the one and two seeds get a bigger advantage than the rest of the teams because they're going to be playing a couple teams that are kind of worn out. And it's similar to what they did in baseball. He got to got to shoehorn in that baseball reference. <laughs> Everyone check it off on your bingo boxes. <laughs> I don't like the one game wild card in, in baseball because I think it's ridiculous to play 162 games and then be out when you have one bad performance. But I do like that it really puts an emphasis on having the best record in that league. And I think that there should be a reward for that. And I think it's kind of working in a similar way here. And I'm I'm all for it. And also, like, I know f- with LeBron, it's it's injuries. But, like, if you don't want to be in the play-in tournament, then be better. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty simple solution is be better at basketball. I think something that is a very smart way to approach this that I didn't think of, there was an episode of The Low Post where Howard Beck pointed out all of this play-in tournament stuff is just to figure out who is the 7 and the 8 seed, which statistically... They never go far in the playoffs ever. So if you want to make all of this hullabaloo, it's really not changing that much. And people are way more excited about basketball. When those games are live, they will be so much more fun to watch. And it is actually making more games throughout the year more exciting. I think it's doing a very good thing. And I would very much hope it sticks around. LeBron's comments were that whoever came up with that shit needs to be fired. And I vehemently disagree. That person should be promoted. But yeah, the Lakers are in danger of being in the playing tournament. If they get in the playing tournament, that's going to be so much fun. Oh, yeah. Like, that's going to be so dramatic. There's no downside. It's absolutely fantastic. I think it's genius. And of course, you only see teams complaining about it when they maybe have to play in the play-in tournament. The Mavs complained about it, I think, last season when on the bubble, they were the seven seed and there was a big gap between them and the eight seed and they were frustrated that they had to go with the play-in tournament stuff. The Lakers now, they've had all their injuries, but like they should be good enough to stay afloat with what they've got going on, but they've been struggling and now the Lakers are complaining about it. It seems very convenient that teams complain about it when it actually affects them. Exactly. And that's what people were upset about was because LeBron completely contradicted something that he had said earlier. Yeah, it was it was interesting because like a long time ago about the playing tournament, LeBron has been anti-playing tournament ever since it came up. But the 
tweet that they reference is like a very old one that he referenced like towards the end of the year, all the teams in the West fighting for the playoffs should just play each other. So he's been on both sides of the argument, which is hard. But I think the big thing when you look at the teams complaining about it, what they are ultimately complaining about is that they have to try in the games leading up to the playoffs. And they are frustrated that they can't just rest their players in the games leading up to the playoffs, which was the whole point of doing this. So it works. <laughs> it's it's working exactly as planned. Right. So yeah, they're upset that they have to care about games that normally happen in the weeks leading up to the playoffs, which teams usually would chill but we don't want that. I don't want boring basketball games. This is why I've always been a proponent of just less games because I would rather have fewer games that are more exciting and have more stakes than the occasional game where so-and-so rests or so-and-so isn't trying that hard, blah, blah, blah. I am always a fan of more stakes. Shout out HelloFresh. <laughs> the other interesting LeBron wrinkle that is coming up like right now, we're recording this on May 7th, so still TBD, but yesterday, Frank Vogel, the coach of the Lakers, in an interview said that LeBron just hasn't been with the team for the past two games, and it wasn't for medical reasons. LeBron is coming back from an injury, a high-grade ankle sprain that had him out for a couple weeks, and he was working his way back, and usually when players come back, they'll play fewer minutes and stuff like that, and sometimes alternate rest games and playing. But Frank Vogel said it wasn't medically related, so he just hasn't been with the team for two games. He's not going to be with the Lakers when they play Portland, so he's just not around and there's no explanation? Which, like, I get you can do that when you're LeBron James, but also, I don't know, man. What's going on? You're arguing about having to deal with being in the playing tournament. If you don't want to be in the playing tournament, play more games and win. I don't know. It is very strange. To quote Kenan Thompson from a very strange SNL sketch, ooh-wee, what's up with that? What's up with that? It's weird. And I don't know what's up with that. I don't either, but I do know Jason Sudeikis is dancing in the background. He's playing his he's with, his, one color with his red, track his red Adidas tracksuit, playing a flute. Yes. So final note to end on for Full Court Press. Ugh, it could have been so much happier. It's slightly happy, but it's not ideal. And it's our final update, maybe, maybe penultimate update about our fantasy basketball situation. This is Dream Team, the fantasy basketball segment. Adam and I were... Despite all odds, incredibly close to being the two teams in the finals, we pulled off upset after upset leading up to the playoffs, in the playoffs. I was able to pull off two consecutive upsets. Adam pulled off an upset and then lost via tiebreaker. Brutal. In the semifinals. Brutal. Ugh. Not only did I lose via tiebreaker, but I was leading with like a minute left in the last game. And Anthony freaking Davis, who I wish I had trolled on Reddit. <laughs> you know what I should ask on Reddit? Why the fuck did you steal the ball in the last minute of that game and cost me my fantasy season? Why did you do that, Anthony Davis? I think you should buy Pringles out of anger. Really I stick thought we it were to Ruffles. <laughs> I will stick it to Ruffles any chance I have. I don't care that Ruffles have ridges. I, I will go Pringles all day. And also... Who's eating Ruffles? This isn't the 90s, all right? If you're not eating kettle cooked chips, what are you doing? Can we get a kettle cooked chip sponsor? I would love it. I would love it. Cape Cod chips, hit me up. Zaps, Zaps, straight out of New Ooh, Orleans. Zaps, mmm, gosh. Get some voodoo chips. Love Ooh. that, yep. But yes, you were incredibly close. It was a steal in the last minute of the fourth quarter of the last game of the week, made it a tie, and thus you lost the tiebreaker. And I would have loved if that happened because currently I'm in the finals and I'm getting shellacked just absolutely destroyed. Whereas I might've had a better chance against you because both of our teams have gone through some injury stuff yeah. this past week. And that would have been a little bit more fair. Whereas the team that I'm going against 
they had a not great week against you. They are in full force for the finals, baby, and they are making me look bad. Yeah, and also Lee, who's who is the coach of that team, the owner, if you will, however you want to describe it, he has LeBron, and it's not even affecting him that LeBron's not playing. Nope, nope, he is stomping me, but it's okay. Second place is better than I thought I was going to do, given how things went for me for most of the year, and I am just taking pride in the fact that I pulled off the upset against James, the commissioner, who I sent a harshly worded trade response tweet to when he offered me a trade that hurt my feelings. I let him know, and if I lost him in the playoffs, I would have felt very bad, but I beat him, so now I don't feel as bad. You know, I gotta tell you, we really showed out in fantasy this year, and I, I am already looking forward to next fantasy season. I, I have a strong feeling that you will be down to do this again next year in this league. I will. I would love if we switched to a weekly format or something, so I spent less time worrying about it, because the money I'm going to get from second place is like pretty good, and I'm excited about that. But if you look at hours spent on this versus payout, it would be a labor violation all over the place. You will net, I, I believe I believe for second place, you will, you will net... $35. So if you divide $35 between the amount of hours you spent, how, how much is it maybe like one cent per hour that you spent on fantasy? It cannot be high. It cannot be high at all. <laughs> if I finish in third, I will end the season up $5. <laughs> I hope it happens. Bring home that bronze. That LeBron. Yeah. The, the name of our league was Miss LaGold Settle for LeBron. So clearly you are in that position where you could make it happen. And I hope it happens for Also, I'm, I'm vaccinated, but who's counting? <laughs> yeah, you've always got that. Always got that. Well, I mean, I, I'll always have it. I'll need another booster in like six months. But for the time being, I have it. Right, yeah. Pfizer gang, Pfizer gang. We're going to need our variant booster, but I'm down for it. I don't care. I don't care if I get to get 12 shots, man. Keep get, Pump it through me, baby. Can we get someone to be a patron named Variant Booster? Because that's a hell of a patron name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, Full Core Press is now complete, and we can get into the remaining segment of this podcast, which is a very, very special interview. Adam came up with this idea. I think it is genius. Or should I say, Avam came up with this idea. Ooh, nice <laughs> teaser about my secret identity. Oh, teaser. So as previously alluded to, we have some extremely special guests on today's episode, which is dropping the day after Mother's Day. And in honor of that, Mike and I are interviewing our moms. Hi, moms. How's it going? <laughs> Hi, Adam. <laughs> Hi, Adam. Hi, Mike. Hello. Ah, yes, this this does remind me that I need to explain to our listeners that there was a time in my life when I was not Adam, but in fact, Adam. That is my actual name. Whoa. That it, did you know that, Shubes? No, I've learned to, every day is a new adventure, and I've learned this today. <laughs> yes. So Whoops. my my sister's name is Shaheen. Uh, my name is, is Adam, but it's spelled Adam. And so when I was growing up, I was that's like what I was called. So my family called me. I made sure all my friends called me that. But then year after year after year, I was that kid who like on the first day of school, the teacher would call attendance and they'd be like, Adam. And I would be like, no, it's Adam. And then at a certain point, they're like, is this guy messing with us? And it just, it became a whole thing, yada, yada, yada. Now I'm Adam. But to my mom and dad and family, it's still, I'm still Adam. It reminds me of a, uh, a college roommate of mine whose name that he went by was Omar, but he was from Pakistan. And it was really like an, an O sound that was in between, like an O and a U mm -hmm. that just in English doesn't exist. And I spent the entirety of senior year trying to get it right, and I never nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure he understood. Yeah, he did. He did. He's a good chap. So we have many basketball questions to ask the two of you. 
And I'm excited to to travel down history. I think I'm going to learn a lot about my own mother's basketball history, which will be very exciting. But I think we should go in alphabetical order. And uh, how about Mama, Mama Walla? What is your history with basketball? Before we get into basketball history, just given that intro, I, I want to give my mom the opportunity to explain the confusion around Mama, Mama Walla, uh, if you would. Because that actually led to quite a stressful event. And it's an appropriate story for Mother's Day. When Adam was born, um, as they will, they took the baby away and they give them a bath and all. And later I buzzed the nurse and I asked her if she could bring me the Mama Walla baby. And she left. And then she came back and she said, what was that name again? I said, the Mama Walla baby. And she left and she came back and said, can you spell that for me? So I spelled the last name. She came back a third time. She said, I don't know what to tell you, but there's no baby with that name here. Now you can imagine every horror story, every thought, you know, disgruntled nurse steals child. I, I don't know, something happened. And I spelled it, spell it for me again. And then she said, wait, wait, you mean your name is Mama Walla? And I said, yes. And she said, Oh, I thought your name was Walla. And because you were a new mama, you were saying it was the Mama Walla baby. It's so weird. Why would someone assume you would be referring to yourself in the third person as mama? <laughs> because she's a new mama. I and guess I'm so. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, can you can you bring in the Mama Schubert baby? <laughs> we don't have anyone by that name. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, now that Adam is safe and not <laughs> stolen by a, a rogue nurse. <laughs> Did you play basketball growing up? What is what is your history with the sport? No, actually, I'm just old enough that girls didn't play sports. There was nothing available until high school. Hmm. But I came from a family that loved sports. And being from Wisconsin, Packers were a religion. I'm so sorry for what is currently happening with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> My condolences. The uh, They were the Green Bay Packers of Bart Starr and Ray Nitschke, mm -hmm. like really story, the storied Packer team. And so that was really in our family. My dad was a golf pro, so golf was big in our family. And basketball, there wasn't any basketball team in Wisconsin at that time. Baseball was big. We had the Braves, they left. And we had the Brewers. So that's my sports background. All I know about basketball, I owe to that guy there. <laughs> well, when did the Bucks uh, start playing in Milwaukee? I guess the Bucks, they were there, but my family were not basketball fans. I guess mm. I should put it that way. Mama, Mama Schubert, what about you? Well, actually, I did play basketball. Um, I guess I was at that age in, I went to a Catholic grammar school, much like St. Greg's. And I played in sixth grade. I didn't make the team in seventh grade. I did make the team in eighth grade. However, seventh grade is when you got the really cool basketball jackets. So what? Man, that seems highly illogical. That should be an eighth grader thing. <laughs> I don't know. So then I went to public high school, but we had a junior high. So I went to ninth grade in the junior high. And then I was the first year in the high school where we had a girls basketball team. Mm. But our boys team was good and they wouldn't share the gym with us. So we had a practice at like 6 or 6.30 in the morning. So I got up at 5 o'clock in the morning, Whoa. walked to school in the dark, 
past the park, past the cemetery with one other friend. In the snow, uphill, both ways. <laughs> well, each way, because we did not live far enough to get a bus and um, practice basketball before school and not after school. Okay. And what position were you? I was a point guard. All right. What was your style? Pass first? Were you a Stockton type? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I would dribble down the court, call a play, pass the ball. Got it. <laughs> I don't even know if our, our school had a softball team. We had a swim team. But even like in grammar school, the girls had a basketball team. The boys had a basketball team. There were two cheerleading squads, and that was it. Yeah. You played basketball in, in gym, and that was my that's my only recollection of basketball is that I once fouled somebody and said, I'm so sorry, and the gym teacher <laughs> mocked me for it. <laughs> Well, I don't know about you, but where I grew up, we lived on a dead-end street because there weren't, weren't cul-de-sacs back then, and there were just literally tons of kids, and just as many boys as girls, and we just all played together. It was all sports. The boys showed no mercy, and we really spent most of the time playing football, and then when we weren't playing football, we were playing basketball, or kick the can, the ultimate favorite. Yes. <laughs> So when it when you get into motherdom of Adam and I obviously both had played basketball at a young age. I don't know when you started, Adam, but I, I think I was like five years old when I started. I maybe second grade, I think. Second something grade, like that. yep. Yeah. Well, Michael, I had you playing at like two and a half little tykes. Like as soon as you Good. could walk, boom, here's a basketball. <laughs> to Mrs. Mama Walla, how, what was it like getting Adam started up in the sport? I don't recall whether you started to play because neighborhood kids did, but you started in second grade in like a park, like a rec league. And they were very big on teaching fundamentals. You couldn't do a fast break or anything. And he would go down, you know, he was very deliberate, following the rules. He always had a great outside shot, even as a little guy. He could shoot a three. <laughs> and that's when I think that led to us getting the basketball hoop. In that the was a big day. Essential. You spent hours, hours and hours. Because it was one of those ones that you like fill with a bunch of sand so that it gets weighed down, I think, right? Yeah. So we we were the we were the um, the go to place in the neighborhood because all the other boys in the neighborhood would come and play at our house. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, we had one on our driveway. This was a, a bit of a problem, and why I didn't shoot as much as we had a very steep driveway. Mm -hmm. So shooting baskets on at my house, no one came to my house because I had the worst hoop. I would always play at Josh's because he had a my best friend Josh who lived across the street had a driveway that got flat at the top, so he was the basketball house. And we also lived really close to a park, but yeah, we had we, we used to fill it with antifreeze, right, so that oh it wouldn't God. freeze over so, in New yeah. Jersey because if you did water, it would turn to ice and then it would slide down our driveway. It's, it's funny you say that, Mike, because. So I grew up in Illinois, and then before we moved to New Jersey, when we, when I first had a basketball hoop in like second, third grade, our driveway was slanted as well. So like if you shot from the left side of the hoop, it might as well have been like a nine foot hoop. And then if you're shooting from the right side at the bottom of the driveway, it was like an 11 foot hoop. <laughs> and uh, I, I guess I, I shouldn't bring this up probably, but my mom can regale you with uh, a story of me not following directions about which side of the hoop to shoot towards. No, I think what I recall, Adam, is that you like to stand at the base of the driveway, put the ball over your head and bounce as hard as you could to see if you could get it in on one big bounce. And we had a very large picture window in the front of our house. And I used to, it would bang into the window. And I said, one of these days, and sure enough, he took a mighty shot. It slammed into that window and his dad was out of town. And there I was trying to like, pry the, sh the huge pieces of glass out of the frame and being a good, good practical Midwestern mother, I made him pay me for half of the repair so he wouldn't do it again. And you didn't. 
And that and that is the closest I ever got to to shattering a backboard uh, as a basketball. <laughs> Just broke a window. <laughs> Like, I'm no stranger to doing uh, embarrassing basketball things. Something that I, one of my biggest regrets in life, and I still, like, think about this every now and then. Like, you know, when you're, like, trying to go to sleep at night, you think of the most embarrassing thing you did in second grade. There was a time, I don't know if you remember this, Mom, but I still feel awful about this. Uh, we were playing basketball, like, one-on-one -on -one against each other. And I had just been watching, like, the And One mixtape tour where those guys do all those moves and stuff. And one of those involved bouncing the basketball off of someone's, like, the opponent's forehead as, like, a move. And I did that to you, and you just... Like turned around and walked inside, which was like the correct response. That is disrespectful on many levels. I I don't know. I was eight and I thought it was cool, and I had no idea the repercussion or like the 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 not nailing it right it involved putting a basketball into my mother's face intentionally. And uh, I hate that I did oh it, gosh. and I will never get over it. You can get over it. I forgive you. <laughs> do you even remember that? Like, I do. do. You, do you think like, uh, okay, <laughs> like what the heck? I mean, correct, correct. That is the correct thing. Before I started throwing basketballs into your face deliberately, uh, what was it like getting me into playing basketball? Because I don't remember. Well, you loved it. Like I said, we started you with little tykes. And then even like when I, w I went to work two days a week and my mom babysat him, she, he made my mother play basketball. Now she's like 72 years old. And I come home and I'm like, mom, how was Michael? He, Barbara, he makes me play football. He makes me play basketball. She goes, he makes me play leapfrog and he crawls all on top of me. And then I have to crawl to the couch and get up. But we just always, I don't know, we always played basketball. And when you outgrew that, we got the net for the driveway, put it down a little bit lower and played a lot. And I remember once I started getting into leagues, a big pain point for you is that I always found a way to be on the red the team. The red team. And there's a distinct memory that I have where it was probably like my third or fourth year playing basketball. And I had been the red team every year for by, by sheer luck, uh, much to my mother's laundry displeasure. And I do remember always being so excited when you get your jersey, like, oh, you get your jerseys. Oh, it's so cool. And I remember one day coming home very proudly, showing you like, mom, look, uh, and holding it up. And it was a red shirt. And I think my mom was like washing dishes and just like put them down and walked out of the like dejected. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that what you're implying is that the you being on the red team made everyone else in the house become a pink house. <laughs> yeah, you, that one pair of underwear that got stuck at the top of the washing machine was now pink. And it was always his dad. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, it's okay, Joel, real men wear pink. But I went through high school, my teen colors were red, college, my colors were red. So when he came home, it's like, oh, no, mm -hmm. not more red uniforms. But how old were you, Michael, when you started playing for St. Craig's? I think I made the St. Craig's team, I think it might have been only eighth grade. It was either seventh grade or eighth grade. I don't know if I played two years or just the one year. I think two. I think it was two. I think it was seventh grade and eighth grade. And I was like, right, rode the bench for both years, but I was just happy to be there. And uh, it was the reason I got a cell phone, which was very cool. This is true. It was because I needed to call to either have you guys pick me up or if I went home with like Josh or Nick Shirello or somebody like that. So it was uh, it was a cool moment that I got a, a f uh, old flip phone that could play Tetris and cost 10 cents to send a text message. Well, and I think you lucked out because of that, because one time I asked daddy to go pick up Megan from school and he thought I meant dance class, but I meant 
school school and he's at the dance studio saying, she's not here. She's not here. I'm like, where are you? (laughs) Well, I'm at Stuart Johnson. I'm like, no, you belong at St. Greg's. Like, and there's her teacher (laughs) and Megan all by themselves. So it's like, okay, she needs a phone and then you needed a phone. He was on, so he played like a rec department in the Midwest. Then we moved out here and he made the traveling team and he did that for two years. And they were a really, really good team. You guys would win, you know, 52 Sweet. days. Nice. I mean, it was embarrassing. And then the next year was when you, was that when you started CYO? Yeah. I think we can stop the story there. Let's uh, let's just stop with me being on the good team. The bad news <laughs> bears of uh, basketball. We, we, we've talked about Adam's CYO career. Yeah, it was, it was 8 to 52 in the CYO era is my understanding. <laughs> that might be giving us too much credit, probably. <laughs> they would go and play kids in schools where it was supposed to be a freshman team, but the the boys all had full beards and underarm hair. And Mm -hmm. I mean, they were some scary kids. And he and his friends were these, some of them, very tiny, easily intimidated. It it was a different experience. Michael played on a travel baseball team that was like that. And it's like, we want to see birth certificates of these kids with the beards who were taller than the coaches and the whole bit. You know, and our kids don't like weigh 100 pounds at that point. They're five feet tall. <laughs> mm-hmm. I will hopefully learn this later in life. But what is it like as a parent to watch your kid playing sports? Because I would imagine at a young age, it's frustrating to see them be just so bad. Like, oh, yeah, they're having fun out there. But like, it can't be entertaining to watch. But then also when you get older, Like, if I had a high school kid, I would be tempted to, like, yell at the ref and stuff. So just from a sitting in the stands perspective, what is it like to be a mother watching your own child play a sport? You don't have any expectations. You do really just want them to go try their best. If you're having fun, if you're doing your best, if you get along with your teammates, you win some, you lose some. I think think you feel as a parent that your child benefits just as much if they lose as if they win. I would agree. I think when you started out, you were just having fun. Mm -hmm. You were a second grader. And so there wasn't any pressure. Um, As you got older, I think I felt for you because sometimes you felt who made a team and who didn't wasn't always fair or who got to play more time. The coach's coach's son and his best friend might have been the ones who were playing more, whether they had a hot hand or not. But then you can't say that to your kid. They're frustrated, but lots of things like that happen in life where you don't always get a fair shake. This is true. So I I would agree. If you're having fun, that was the main thing. You saw, Michael, there was like some baseball coaches who were like so hard on their kids, their kids didn't even want to play. So it's, it doesn't do any good if we suck the fun out of it. Yeah. I mean, you guys were always very supportive and, you know, I played with you, I played with dad and I, I never had any stress. Basketball was always the most stress-free of of the sports that I played growing up. There was less drama. There was less, I don't know, base, I, I was a big travel baseball kid, and I don't know if it was just baseball or just where we grew up or both, but there was way more drama in baseball. Basketball was always more carefree. I never got I never got thrown out of a basketball game. I think I got one technical foul once for like bouncing a ball. I did the same thing. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you were at that game, Mom, but it was a game, one of those summer league games at uh, Anvan, which was this park by by where I grew up. And I think I got called for a foul and I was just frustrated. And it was it was one of those times where like you try to bounce the ball hard and catch it, but I didn't catch it. And then it hit mm-hmm. the like underneath yep. the rim and I got a technical. And that's two free throws at that, at that age. It's like college. So yeah. Wow. 
Wow, wow, wow. You're, you're hurting your team. Jeez. Yeah, I, I had a similar situation. I was frustrated. I tried to bounce it, and I missed it. And I think that's how I learned that it was a technical foul. Like, they called it, and I asked the ref what happened. And he was like, oh, that's just the rules. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, I did get thrown out of two baseball games. Once unjustified, once completely justified. And did you go Did you go for it? Were you, like, kicking dirt on the umpire's shoe and stealing the base and all that? The first one I got thrown out, there was, like, this horrendous, like, earth-shatteringly bad call. I wasn't playing. I was just on the bench and I just stood up and held my hands like this. I think someone else yelled something, but the the um thought I said something and all I did was stand up and and make like raise my arms in confusion and I got ejected. The second time I like tried to leg out something where I was like play at the plate and I did this incredible hook slide which was like one of my things I would do in baseball. <laughs> and uh, I did this great hook slide. Catcher did not get me at all. And the dude called me out and I just went berserk in the dugout. Like didn't yell at the the ump, but I like threw my helmet and I threw my glove and I was like kicking the fence and then he kicked me out. Completely justified, except for the fact that I was safe. Like not even arguing. The, the catcher didn't touch me at all, but I threw a temper tantrum <laughs> and I deserved 14 year old Mike had it coming. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, Michael, do you think that that's the pressure of like, you did not play travel basketball, but you played travel baseball. So I think your sports were at like a completely different level. But but then what about when you played basketball in high school? How did you feel? I think the thing in high school was that I was always on like the B team version of whatever situation I was in. And because of that, it was less stressful. So I was on the freshman B team so that I could get more playing time. I was on the JVB team, the sophomore team, my sophomore year. And then we've told the story on the podcast, mom, but how I was on the JVA team and I didn't get any playing time. And then I was supposed to get playing time in that game where you drove an hour and 45 uh, minutes to see me. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't get any playing time. So I requested to be on the B team. So yeah, I think I was just in lower stress team situations. So I didn't take it as seriously. And I would like sometimes in high school, because my high school is academically very hard. I would like not go to basketball games if it was the same night as, you know, the day before a test. And I remember that was like the most heated a coach ever got for me as I was like, hey, I'm not going to this game. I've got a chemistry test. And he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, I got a chemistry test. Like it's AP chemistry. It's hard. I'm not playing. <laughs> <laughs> I think you probably made the right call. I, I think even at that age, you recognize that you probably wouldn't be in the NBA. I'm sorry. If that's still a dream of yours, I'm sorry to, to crush it for you. But uh, like, it's not going to happen. It's OK. It's fine. <laughs> No, but wait, Michael and I had that discussion because he played freshman, sophomore, and junior year. And then come senior year, it's like, Michael, they're having you play basketball practice three hours a day, six days a week. And now you're at the point, if you're on the team for four years, you automatically got put on varsity. So now you're going to play if you're, if we're 20 points ahead or 20 points behind. It's like, you're staying up till one o'clock in the morning doing homework because you're committing so much time, more time to basketball. It's like play tennis. You're on varsity. That's great. Then focus on going to college because I hate to break it to you, but you're not getting a basketball scholarship, but you could get an academic scholarship. Bang, bang. And then I taught Mike tennis and the rest is history. And now we do a podcast together. <laughs> I think that's, I mean, I think that's shrewd advice. And I, I don't think I, other than maybe when I was eight, really had any delusions that I was going to be in the NBA. But yeah, I imagine that's a tricky conversation as a parent, if your kid really believes something that is just not going to happen and you want to support them because they're your kid. But it's like, listen, you're, you're, you're six one. Uh, I think uh, the, the route is going to be probably pretty hard. Oh, he was not even 6'1". He was still in the fives at that point. He was a sort of Muggsy Bogues kind yeah, of. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> 
I was I was honestly I was five foot two until the summer between my sophomore and junior year of high school. I grew nine inches in one Oof. year. Wow. A lot of new clothes. A lot of new red shirts to put in the wash. <laughs> a lot of new sneakers too. <laughs> I was blowing through shoes, but yeah, that was I think that was the other thing is I had gotten so old where I was like, I'm not gonna be a basketball player. Look how short I am. And then it grew all in one year and it was like, What's happening? <laughs> but you know what that did, Michael? Because that was your junior year when you started playing basketball. Daddy and I would sit in the stands and daddy would say, He doesn't realize how tall he is. He doesn't realize how big or how strong he is. And then it clicked like that game you scored like 17 points in a row or whatever. Like the haircut game, the famous haircut game. (laughs) That is when your like basketball career, if you will, took off because you finally realized it's like, like in Space Jam. He's bigger than we used to be. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. So it all kind of fell into place. I was just grateful to have a son who played the two perfect sports, basketball inside, wintertime, can't be out, tennis, a drop of rain, we're done. (laughs) Well, I I do have to give you a lot of credit, Mom, because I think, and I, I don't think this would offend you, I don't think you would describe yourself as someone who's like overly athletic, but you always tried. Like any of the times that I would try to like finagle you to come outside and throw a ball with me or play basketball, like, might not have lasted super long, but I feel like you always you always gave it a shot. We, we were good until you got to about fourth grade, fifth grade. You started getting <laughs> taller than I was. Uh, when when somebody my size has no more height advantage, the game is over. I mean, <laughs> well, I'm I'm curious to know because one of the cool things for me in going home for the four months that I was home last year was that I got to watch the Last Dance with you and Dad, the the Bulls documentary, and so. Uh, people who listen to the podcast have, have asked a lot about like what that was like growing up in Illinois at that time. So obviously you were, you know, focused on taking care of two young kids, but like, what is your memory of that time in, in the Illinois, like in, in the Chicago area as the bulls were becoming the bulls? Well, and then- I mean, the bulls were everything every Sunday afternoon, if they were on and we had WGN. So we watched a lot of the bulls. You were so carried away with basketball. You knew every player. You knew. I remember the Christmas we gave you the Jordan jersey, which I, I might actually have footage of. There's a spoiler alert here. If there are any small children, this is going to spoil it about Santa got all the credit. <laughs> but we got you that Jordan jersey. We bought it about five sizes too big because we knew you wouldn't let go of it for a long time. He fell on the floor. He rolled around. It was it was the best gift ever. It was it. It was it. So we, we spent it. And even your dad who grew up in India and not watching things like basketball, he got really involved. That was our, our ritual was to watch every Bulls game we could, especially on the weekends, right? Yeah. So I'll thank you for, for maybe pulling us into that more than we would have been. Because when you live in a place where a sport dominates, everybody talks about it, whether you watch it or not. But then we really got into watching the Bulls. So it was fun to watch The Last Dance because that was reliving for us all those games that we watched and the excitement of we were in India, right? When when we found out Jordan was coming back. Yeah. Yeah. We had spent so much time in India just trying to find a basketball court for him to shoot <laughs> baskets on. This is not an easy task in India. <laughs> and then we were in some sort of like a hobby shop and there was remember that round Michael Jordan thing? Like you could turn yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, like it's like about, a pinwheel thing that had a bunch of like stats and facts and stuff like that. Oh, cool. Yeah. In India in nineteen ninety-five. So we were there, and when you got word of that, it was actually like in the Indian newspapers. We, You were so excited. We were excited for you. So. That's exciting. I mean, Michael Jordan was a part of my basketball childhood, too. Mom, you got me a Michael Jordan jersey at some point, and I went 
as Michael Jordan for Halloween at least one year. And again, it was so much bigger. It ended up fitting me really well in college when I started going to uh, like music festivals. It was my go-to. And then I had, and I have this book and we've talked about it on the podcast. I don't know if you remember this one, Mom, Wacky Basketball Facts to Bounce Around. Oh, no, I don't. It was, it was like a Sports Illustrated for Kids book. It had Michael Jordan on the cover and it had things like there was one page with George Marison's hand and he's a seven foot six guy and it had his whole hand oh, across yeah. the two pages. And I just, I read that book until the seams broke out from behind it. I just read that book forward and backward, forward and backward all the time. And Michael Jordan was on the cover. So that was a big thing. Playing basketball video games. I would always play with the Bulls just because how could you not? It didn't matter where you lived. You were a Michael Jordan fan. That is true. Mm-hmm. That is true. And yeah. then what, what year was the dream team in the Olympics? Uh, ni- 92 was the one that like everybody talks about that, you know. Because that was, we'll still watch whatever, what's the, is it, there's a show about that. They might have done like an ESPN 30 for 30 documentary about it or some That's sort of. That's what it, yeah. oh my God, I can't even tell you how many times Daddy and I have watched that. And it's just, <laughs> it's so cool. It's so cool. Because that, that was it. Michael Jordan was everything as far as basketball went. Yeah. And how about now? Do the two of you... I know mom, dad is more of a Yankees guy, but every now and then, usually when I'm home, we watch basketball games. Do either of you two watch it still on TV and stuff? Um, I want to say dad focuses more on basketball when you're here. He's everything about the New York Yankees, of course. And um, <laughs> Well, you know, he's an assistant general manager. Oh, he thinks with- he is. You know, and then they got the whole text screen with everybody and he's yelling at the TV and he's pacing and it's, you know. You know, it's interesting because the sports that, Okay, in high school, Daddy ran track, and he was a diver on the swim team, and he played soccer. You played tennis, baseball, and basketball. Mm-hmm. And Megan ran track like Daddy and played soccer like Daddy. But you did, like, completely opposite sports. <laughs> you got them all covered, though. I mean, that's pretty much every every sport. And then you and I played basketball together. Yay. And mm-hmm. then Michael got us all into playing tennis. Yeah. That was really cool, especially moving here because tennis is big here at, like, every age, every level. So Suburban Houston, baby. Tennis capital of the world. We play tennis. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mrs. Mamawala? Do you, do you still watch? We're not such... Not such big sports people. Adam's dad grew up. He also did track in high school, but he played cricket. He would have played field hockey growing up, things like that, that people don't. I mean, here, nobody's watching that soccer, obviously. Big fans of the Olympics and any tennis we can get hold of. We both love tennis. Both the kids played tennis. So that was always a big one for us. Well, and you were a huge Brewers fan. I mean, I feel like you went to games all the time. Ooh. Yes, exactly. When I was younger, like a high school age, college age, I loved baseball. Absolutely loved it and watched a lot of the Brewer games, went to a lot of games, but not so much since we're out here. It's it's a lot of effort to get to a baseball game when you live in New Jersey. Yeah, my mom grew up in Queens and she went to baseball games all the time. Um, that was her thing. My dad's thing was football. My brother was a Green Bay Packers fan. My dad was a New York Giants fan. I was a Jets fan. But so we watched, <laughs> he would watch like a little bit of football every weekend. But my mom said growing up, it was all about baseball, all about the New York teams. And I just, I don't know, I just found it so interesting that the sports that Joel and Megan played were not the sports that Michael played. 
Well, I didn't like soccer because I, they would always yell at me for being on the ground. It was some rule of like unsafe play or something when I would try to slide tackle as a, <laughs> as a kid in soccer. So I didn't like that. Yeah, but you spent most of the time as a goalie and you were a really good goalie. Yeah, because because I was encouraged to dive and be on the ground. So I was, <laughs> okay. a, I was a big fan of that. You've always had great hair for soccer. <laughs> That's got to count for something. But then he got into bird watching. He got into bird watching during soccer. <laughs> so we're like, let's try baseball. Yeah, I mean, as a young as a young goalie, there's only so much you can do because, you know, kids aren't, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> like, it's just a whole mess of clump of people. So I, I quickly traded in soccer for travel baseball. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad that that basketball has kind of stuck through and, and I've done it later in life. And I know dad had a whole illustrious career of like 30 and 40 year old basketball leagues, which I'm very excited for my career arc to take me into. <laughs> my dad's gotten into like fights, uh, not fights, but you know, heated discussions and broken body parts from old man basketball leagues, which I'm very much looking forward to. But yeah, I mean, we we watch games when we're home. I still, one of one of my most distinct memories of basketball and, and you, mom and dad, is that there was a time when I was home, I think in college around, it was like Christmas break. And it just so happened that on New Year's Eve, the Knicks were in town playing the Rockets. So we were like, oh, we got to go. Oh, yeah. And I remember I had plans to go to a friend's for a New Year's Eve party after. So basically, my my pregame for the party was I went to a basketball game with my parents. <laughs> and I had just turned like 21 or 22. So we like went to the game. We got beers and watched the game. And the Knicks lost by a million points because they were bad. And then I left and I was like, I just like hung out with my parents as friends. It was like the first time we just like chilled. And I was like, I guess my parents are just my my friends now. This is fun. <laughs> like, they bought me beer. They took yeah. me to a game. This is a best. <laughs> They're cool. All of a sudden we got cool. Oh, you were always cool. But this was like, oh, th this is like, I'm just hanging out with my peers. Well, they, don't, don't they get just, too comfortable yeah. and start throwing basketballs in their faces. <laughs> I know, you right. Really. That's, I've <laughs> learned my lesson. <laughs> This was super fun. Thank you so much. And it was so nice meeting you. Yeah, you as well. Nice to meet you too. Well, I guess I guess I met you very loosely, if anything, at at the wedding uh, before the before the world stopped. Got right under the wire. Did he get right under? I oh mean, my gosh! They were they were in the middle of their honeymoon, and Kelly's company contacted them and said, "When you come back from your honeymoon, you can't come into the office for two weeks." Yeah, and it was a very like eh, just in case, just to be safe, only because you were international. And then yeah, we got home on March 9th. and then Adam bought a monthly Metro Pass on March tenth, and then March eleventh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, once things settle and we all feel safe enough, we should the four of us will all go to two on two. We'll play two on two, <laughs> but also like we could go to the U.S. Open and uh, oh, watch some yeah. tennis that since that's good. the the unifying factor. Absolutely, Barb, you you love any excuse to come to New York City, so. I don't even need an excuse to come to New York City. <laughs> no excuse is needed. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse Horses, hosted by Mike Schubert and Adam Mamawala. Woohoo! <laughs> Today's episode was edited by me, Mike Schubert. I also run our social media. Our website is by Kelly Schubert. The art is by Allison Wigman. And the music is by Bettina Campomanes. Thank you to our producer-level patrons, Polly Burge, Kendra Hadley, Adam Hartwick, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Siobhan Ellsbury, Shooby Dooby Doo, Godzilla Got Busy, Steph Curry for three, Bang. He Sells Seashells, Laurent James, Matt Barger, NBA legend Robert Sacri, No Jazz, No Pizza, Eileen Gazesh, Avatar Kiyoshi, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, Anna Borgeli, Mitch Chrysler, Bang! Bang! Brown Men Can Jump, Jimmy Butler for two, and long-suffering Timberwolves fan, and hopefully someday, Variant Booster. <laughs>
Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Horse Hoops and on Twitter at Horse underscore Hoops because... Horse Hoops bounced a basketball off their mom's face and they shouldn't have done that. They really shouldn't have. It's a bad look. <laughs> really it's shouldn't It's a have. real bad look. Terrible decision. Oh my goodness. Rough, rough stuff. You know what? It's, a, it's amazing that your mom still loves you after that because that's, that's egregious. That's an egregious move. Oh yeah. Not my finest hour. Check out our website, horsehoops.com for footage of Mike throwing a bat. No, that doesn't exist. Thank God. <laughs> uh, but we'll have some fun stuff from our mom interview. Maybe we'll throw up some pictures of us with our moms as young lads playing basketball. <laughs> a lot of, lot of good stuff to check out. And definitely a screenshot of us all chatting in the Zoom room. Just absolutely loving it. And thank you to Multitude for having us as a part of the collective. Much like we had a live show with Horse, other Multitude shows are doing live shows. Join the Party is doing one on May 13th, I believe. Pottery List will be doing one in early June. If you ever want to be up to date about live shows that are happening with Multitude, you can go to multitude.production slash live. And if you want to get the replay of our digital live show, Horse, it will be up on our merch page, which you can check out at our website, horsehoops.com. Or if you go to multitude.production, slash merch you can see merch for all of the shows hell yeah so we're gonna round up this episode as we do every episode putting our hands in the middle and say something on the count of three putting our hands in the middle and saying something on the count of three i feel like we should just say happy mother's day and shout it out to the moms i was thinking the exact same thing wonderful so on the count of three we'll say happy mother's day one two three happy Happy mother's Day. day Ooh, we even matched cadence very nice great lovely stuff what a pleasant what a pleasant decision my dad did say are you going to do a Father's Day episode now? So I feel I like don't we have to see why like, we, we got We got to do it. We naturally have to. Joel P. Schubert's got some stories. He's got some wild basketball stories. So I think we got to make it happen. Oh, I, I think I think it will happen. And I'm, I'm going to just put that in the ether. Maksud and Joel. Let's do it. We're coming for you. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Very different names. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.